Welcome to season two of the ISC podcast. My name is Genevieve Stowe, and throughout this series, I will talk with industry leaders about their career journeys and what they've learned along the way. It won't just be me doing the interviewing though, there'll be cameos from the ISC team and even some ISC members too. Some of these episodes have been pre-recorded with a live audience. Therefore, some of the questions you hear will have come from ISC members themselves and we request your patience with any technical issues we might have had. In this week's episode, we'll be going back to April 2020, where ISC founder Barbara Schoenhofer speaks with ISC US Chair Margaret Ressie milken and Matthew McCrite of Schaefer Consulting. The three of them discussed the profound shift the insurance industry has had to make over the last few months due to COVID and how it will adapt to the new world of agile working. They touch on the vital role that managers have played in moving to working from home and also the impact that the pandemic might have on diversity and inclusion. Thank you to Barbara, Margaret and Matthew for giving up the time to share their insight. We hope you enjoy this discussion. Thank you. Well, we're de- absolutely delighted to, to have you here. And I was just thinking earlier, Matthew, about, you know, when we actually first met, and it was probably about 20 years ago now, yeah. And interestingly enough, do you remember being in the um, the library at Lloyd's or one of the rooms at Lloyd's mm-hmm. when we brought B over and we were talking about agile working and, yeah. you know, the cost of presenteeism. And that was 15 years ago. Right. Well, just incredible. Well, and, I, and part of the topic there was actually how to help people really be uh, fulfilled and engaged and empowered at work, particularly people on the front line. And we're in the midst of that right now, just almost spontaneously. So I know we'll get yeah. into that. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion we have, thinking of that discussion 15 years ago. And then talking to Margaret as well. And Margaret, you know, we go back at least 10 years now. We have come a long way, all of us. And, and I think it shows the importance of community because our community together goes back a very long way and that's in a way what I want to draw out from you uh, tonight or this morning as where you are is to talk about you know really quite generally what the what the mood is at the moment with business people in in the states um, and uh, not necessarily just the insurance industry, but but generally, because I know, Matthew, you work uh, right across sectors. And really, you know, give us a flavour of how important the connectivity between us all around the world is in, in our business communities at the moment. And the other thing is that I'd like to really specifically drill down both of your fabulously experienced people and, and to talk to our audience about how we as business women can be really, truly effective leaders uh, at whatever stage we are in our career at this moment in time. And we'd really enjoy your, your wise counsel. So, so Matthew, perhaps I could start with you this time and uh, tell us what's going on over there. I would say it's exhilarating in terms of business in the sense of exhilarating sitting in the front seat of a roller coaster for the first time so it's a mixture (laughs) of excitement and anxiety so 
you know, if you think about it, you were right. Uh, eight weeks ago, if you'd said we're going to have hundreds of thousands of people fully equipped, working from home, being productive, you know, carrying on very well, most leaders would have said, there's no way, we can't do it. Couldn't do it if we had to. Most places moved everybody into secure, effective work in a week or two. Mm -hmm. One client that built a field hospital for a thousand people in a week. So if you, and they were just called Sunday night and said, show up at 8 a.m. and we've got to get to work. So I think part of it is there was an excitement and exhilaration. Now people, though, are settling in and saying, this is going to be different for the long haul. If, if anybody is thinking, we'll go back to normal, you should stop, because uh, it's going to be very different. But we don't know what it's going to be. Uh, so that's where the anxiety comes in. And also saying, well, what can we learn? Uh, one of our clients moved all their customer service people to work from home. They've asked them, when, when you come back to work, do you want to come back into the office? And by and large, the answer is sometimes we, we want to see each other physically some, but we really enjoy working at home, particularly in an urban environment where the average commute is one to two hours each way. So and yeah. that's got leaders thinking differently about how do we think about our own future. Yeah, I think it's very, very telling actually what's happened because, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 I wonder how much of, us holding back on technology and agile working and flexibility has been because of fear of change. Because, you know, for many, many years now, bosses have had people there in their sites and it's been more command and control. And that's a comfy situation for a, a, a lot of people, isn't it? And, you know, you've got to question whether we would have made advancements more quickly if there hadn't been that fear there. One of the things Schaefer's done is we've said, how do you take the, the, the different ways of working that happen in a crisis spontaneously and plug them into the day-to-day? -day? And you're absolutely right. There are all these barriers that we throw up that make people not want to try. In a crisis, people spontaneously work differently, they connect differently, they achieve at levels that are far beyond the norm. Yes, as we've experienced, there's a lot of difficulties and struggles and dangers to the crisis. But if you take those out, people, what it shows is people have tremendous potential to work better and differently and actually grow. Just think how much people have grown in the last eight weeks. So particularly in a mature industry like insurance that thinks in terms of the long term, it's hard to say, let's turn on a dime. People say that's too risky. We've just done something very risky in, in a way that actually is almost no risk. So I'd say it should give us some comfort that it can be done again with maybe less of the anxiety and friction. And it'll be needed because organizations are headed into a future that's very uncertain. You know, one yeah. way is one way about the future is to say, how do we get better at saying we don't know what it's going to be like, but we have the people, the talent, the brain power, and the experience to say whatever happens, we'll meet it. I I'm quite optimistic about that, but it's a it's a sort of people rise to the challenges, the message of the last couple of months. So let's rise yeah. again. I think that 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 is makes a very good point. 
do you think that the fear of change is why the insurance industry has been slower than other industries like banking, for instance, for taking on technology? So I, I'm going to say yes, Barbara. I think that the industry um, in the past, pre-COVID-19, has held itself back. And I think what's happened now, to Matthew's point, is the industry has shown and probably disproved once and for all the fact that insurance is resilient. We all knew that, but insurance is agile. I mean, the fact that this industry did spin on a dime, literally, here in the States, is amazing, it's heartwarming, and I think that the level of authentic communication, real engagement, I've never seen it like this in insurance. And shh, everybody, 35 years. Haven't seen it like this in 35 years. Yeah. So I think that's really encouraging, Barbara. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, it's clear that uh, there's been a, a resistance to change that this has spurred on. The question that I have for, for Matthew is what has been pointed out to me in the last couple of days is, you know, who's actually made all of this happen? Who has got it so that everyone can operate from home? Everyone's got the right equipment everyone's staying in touch and of course it's not the actual business leader it's the middle management and it's the the the, the people in the business that have actually driven this H have you seen you know is that your experience matthew and um can you talk to us a little bit about that sure so for any ceos or c-level people watching you've done a great job too but you've set sort of things in motion said we have to do this right and that's an important job to keep keep in mind but it's all those frontline managers that people used to talk about as oh they're not that interested we hard getting them engaged hard knowing if they're doing the right job they've actually transformed businesses we're working with one insurer that is in the midst of moving offices and they were really struggling just to do that they've moved a thousand people offline and working from home in a week it was all the middle managers saying, how do we make this happen? It, it's, and they become really, we talk about transformational leaders. That's what it means. Plus they're connecting with their people. Now, Barbara, to your other question earlier, they're connecting about uh, each other and on a personal level and concerns for health, for well-being, for anxiety. I think one of the things that's interesting in this virtual environment is the focus on connecting rather than controlling people you can't you, it's a myth that you control them anyway but when they're far away it's saying how do we actually connect help them encourage them but we can't walk by their cubicle and watch over their shoulder to see how they're doing right so that this means then that, that much more um trust and uh, uh empowerment has to happen and again we, we've been talking about this for, for many years. Um, can you share the, the, the three top challenges you experienced moving to uh, automation, moving on with the technology and the, or the culture? That's a great question. And you know what I will say is I think it does come to trust and empowerment, you know, and they do go hand in hand. I think when 
we do believe in each other and when we believe that it's going to happen and we do empower you know our first responders and truly they are our heroes in insurance we can make it happen we did make it happen we won't go back to the way that we did it before we'll never go back i you know firmly believe you know that the way that we we look at leaders has changed and we really have developed, you know, in this COVID class, battle-tested leaders that will have their own unique stories and they will go forward. They're going to make the world better, not just, you know, the insurance industry, they'll make the world better. And that's all, that's all segments. I think we've redefined really, you know, we're all leaders. We're all leaders, not just in the C-suite, that, you know, I think we all have to work really hard to make sure that we don't go back there mm -hmm. and that we do have that opportunity to, to have this, uh, this great equalizer that really COVID-19 has been. Matthew, you've been operating in different sectors at, at C-Suite as well as in, in insurance. Do you see the mood changing of business leaders into having more empathy uh, and considering the human factor and actually wondering if the important thing right now is not the ROE, but basically how they're going to come out of this looking as businesses and looking as leaders of people. It's a fantastic question. And my broad brush answer would be, it probably varies. I mean, I think um, you know, the insurance industry has uh, covers the gamut, but as a whole, it's got tremendous reserves. In the U.S., those are under some threat from, um, from our states and federal government that are considering retroactively changing business interruption policy coverage, which would be catastrophic. So that's certainly a worry from the financial point of view, but that's at the top. I think you're right. People are beginning to say, well, stock market's down 30%. You know, we're, we're the economic conditions are going to be different so we may limp along a bit financially we have to reset our expectations after a decade plus of strong growth will they still need to deliver some return yes but i think what's happened is as people get out get uh, virtual get connected with each other differently there are lots of questions about how do we contribute um and how do we make a difference so that the the ones that are thinking forward are saying how do we differentiate ourselves with our, our staff so that we keep talent and we encourage people, we'll help them even though there is a real difficulty here. The other is how do we differentiate to ourselves with our customers? What's happening is retention is going through the roof, new business is much more challenging. But what it's really giving companies the time to do is say, well, how do we connect with people who count on us in a time of need? Yeah, I, I'd say it's, to be a fertile time for leaders it's going to be distracting because they they have to balance a bit but there's so much anxiety and so much difference of interaction uh, and so much connection whether it's within a company or overseas or with each other if you think about it one one it director told me it's a good thing this happened now if there's a silver lining in this if it had been five years ago the video technology and the others would have made it much more challenging to connect face to face, even if we're two dimensional. Um, and that's made a big difference. You yeah. can see people in a way that you couldn't. 
that sort of really segues into the, the whole issue about women. Can we just talk about this? Because we've had a question in, which is a very valid one, is to, you know, what does this all do for, for DNI um, and, uh, you know, inclusion when you've got women who are at home uh, struggling now to be educators, struggling to cook meals, to clean houses. And, you know, as one of, one of uh, uh, our colleague said, you know, her, her son of 15 went into shock when he saw her with a mop because, of course, she hasn't picked up a mop since 1988. But, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that all uh, there's a lot of burden coming on women to orchestrate things. And I, I want to pick up on that point. And I want to really challenge you, Matthew, about this, because I know Margaret and I have some very strong views. Is your, how you're seeing things and the conversations you're having, Matthew, do you feel that the, um, that the, the, the women are getting, will get more sidelined by this because they're having to multitask so much again? Or do you think that this is an opportunity for us women? Because actually, does it really matter about difference in gender at the moment? Or is it just, We've got to face this together. I tend to think this is a great leveler on two reasons. So the leaders and leadership teams and even managers that we're seeing that are really acting differently, men and women, are empathizing and, and asking their workers how they're doing. Some of it starts from a genuine concern about health and safety. Some of it is the difference of communication there's an awful lot of checking in with each other. Now that may fade over time, but I think it's genuine. So people are, are emoting uh, in a way that they happen. And a lot of leaders learn not to emote over time. You know, they have to be the strong silent type. They, they aren't the, how you doing? Tell me what's going on. I couldn't agree more, uh, Matthew. I think it is a leveler and I feel I feel so uh, enriched by, by hearing the baby crying on the phone. We were on a dive-in call and dive-in is, is happening, everybody, it's happening in 2020. We had a baby crying on the phone, a little beautiful girl from Buenos Aires. And I said, and this is what it's all about. And our puppies and the kids sitting on their parents' laps. And, these images, they really do lift us. And I don't want that to go away. I want it to, I want it to stay like that. And how, how do we capture this moment, those, those feelings, those images, um, the silver linings that, that I mentioned. There's a, there's a leader uh, that's a good friend of ISC group, Randy Tamir. And I heard he did a really smart thing. He made sure that meetings at his company, the Zoom conferences, the conferences didn't start until 9 a.m. Every everybody gets a break for lunch from 12 to one so they can be with their families. No calls after five o'clock. You know what? Trying to manage and be intentional, yeah, creating yeah. that balance, it doesn't happen by accident because that first week or two, I don't know about the two of you, but. I think, Barbara, you, you said it very well. 
we needed structure and we needed balance. So what we all did is we were working 24 seven. We kept thinking the more we worked, maybe the better it would get. And we weren't taking the time for self care. And we, we yeah. needed to laugh more and we needed to drink maybe a little more wine and to, yeah. uh, to have a few nice meals. You know, all those things are really important. Yeah, I think the thing is that you said you would weave in about the, uh, the wine and uh, we've been having some laughs around that. I'm going to come back because somebody's come back uh, through to us on the on the chat line. And I think it's important to just explore this a little more. And I said, with all due respect, many leaders in our industry are men with their spouses not working. So for them, it's business as usual. And for the majority of women, there are two income families. So for women, um, the universe has changed. And I just hope everyone is aware of it. I do think that um, whoever asked that question slash comment, thank you. Uh, we, we, it isn't business as usual for men or women, but especially women. And we've been hearing a lot of the stories um, of, you know, women having to balance and, you know, from the mop to the kids, to the schooling, you know, to, to really trying to back to those days of having to do it all. I would say this, we, we have to do it all, but we don't all have to do it at the same time. That's what I learned as a young working mother and my kids are older now, so I am blessed. I am not homeschooling. But what I will say is that what I learned and I think it applies today is it does take a village and asking for help and being honest about the fact is, you know what, if you're homeschooling and if the baby is sick and if you don't have the support that you need, ask and, and be honest about it. I really think that, you know, the days where, you know, we hid, you know, behind the briefcase and the suits and saying, you know, oh, I can do it all. Those days are gone. And thank goodness they're gone. Thank goodness. It's, it's um, very interesting. We were, we were talking earlier, Matthew, about, thank you, Margaret, for that. We were talking earlier about the, um, you know, some of the good things and some of the not so good things that are happening and how people are feeling. Give us a sense of how you think people are feeling, Matthew, and, and how they're responding to being, you know, in lockdown, having their freedom gone. You know, I think it, again, it's uh, uh, my observations and some of my colleagues, but I think people are feeling a bit overwhelmed. They're trying to adjust to very different reality. They wish it would go away and go back to normal, but I think most have the sense now that this is going to continue in an unsettled state. So as Margaret said in her own example, people come, people are, people are resilient, they're adapting, they're adjusting. It's incredibly stressful. So the, the comments about uh, working and being at home and caring for your kids, there's no one answer other than I think to reach out to each other, to ask for help, to speak up. If you are in a position of leadership, making it easy for people to reach out for help is one way you can make a huge difference. Because if anything, uh, this has shown the great humanity of us all in a very fast few months. So how to lean into that as a leader. We're seeing a lot of leadership teams talking and working on those issues. Are they still working hard? Yes. Some of them are working harder than ever. But part of it is saying, 
you know, if you're struggling, it's okay. Yeah. Or if you, you're, if, if you need help, raise your hand. Many organizations aren't used to doing that. And they're also having to work through the challenges. Just think about people starting to plan for coming back to work. A lot of anxiety about that. Is it safe? Can I do it? Am I at risk? So it's going to take continued sort of outreach and understanding at a level that most leaders, I think, it haven't exhibited as fully. So I would encourage people to think about the fact that there's a there of the essentials at work. It's people as well as performance. Do you think change management will become more important to help people to go back to the new world of work? You know, given your comments about the uncertainty amongst people at the moment of what to actually expect when they, when they, in effect, you know, are expected to return to some sort of normality, but will, you know, what, what can be done to help them in the change management side? Well, um, our founder, Bob Schaefer, wrote an article a couple of years ago called All Management is Change Management. So I think it's, it's a great example. By change management, I think BIM may mean the conscious focus on aspects, which is true. I think it's really about management. It, it, it's saying, how do we help people through what is going to be a time of great, great turbulence? It's not going away. It's going to be different. And so it's, I think it's, it, so the answer, short answer is change management is really important. What's really important is managers who say, my job is to help people through change, make sure we're as successful as we can be. But the success is measured, I think, financially, but also non-financially. Are you, you know, if you think about it, in, in January, what was one of the big topics for the insurance industry? We can't find good talent. So something has happened mm -hmm. where now people think, well, we've got to lay off tens of thousands of people. If you have trouble finding good talent, there are some retail chains who've said, we're not going to lay off our great salespeople. We're going to keep them and we'll reemploy them in three or four months. It's a nice altruistic thing, but my guess is it's also driven by the fact that it takes months to find and train a good salesperson. So part of it's how do we reestablish some contract with our staff that says we value you too and help you through this because we count on you. Yeah. So, so um, Matthew, I wonder if you could, um, we could just go back for a minute to leadership because I think this is absolutely important at the moment for all of us to start thinking about how we how we be real leaders at this moment in time and can you give us some pearls of wisdom around what we're being great leaders of where we as women all our ability to multitask and to orchestrate things great great organizational skills where can we really show true leadership well, I think one of the themes of great leaders is that they deliver great results through people. Interesting. And I think, I think 
those things you just mentioned about women and their role, it's really important to realize that it's not all about you as a leader. It's all about how you help other people do great things. So that empowerment, that reaching out, you know, we like to put these boxes around CEOs and others, and everybody tells them how great they are and how the whole company revolves around them. They play an important role, but their role is actually to get great things out of other people. And how, how do you build an organization that's resilient? The, the question about what do we do to grow and recover when we get back to business as usual? The more, the more arms and legs and great people you've got, the more likely you are to make it happen. Yeah, and uh, what I'd like to ask Mark, how do you think connectivity can help going forward? I think connectivity, Barbara, is going to keep us, keep us strong, keep us healthy, both physically and mentally. I think that, you know, there's, there's a happiness quotient, I think, that we all need. And having a community of men and women that allow me to shine, that allow Matthew to shine, that allow you to shine. It, it does make, it makes a difference. It makes everything just that much better. You know, there is stress and there is anxiety and there is fatigue. And I have seen, and I've witnessed those that get in that vortex, you know, of, of the doom and gloom, doom and gloom. I've never been that way. But I will tell you that I could see, you know, during times of uncertainty, that it would be easy to go into that vortex. Well, we're not there because we've got a community that I know is a text away, a Zoom call away, you know, an email away that will be together. But I don't think it happens by accident. I think it happens intentionally. And I think that as we, you know, as we recreate, you know, our ISC experience via forums like this, I think it's wonderful because I get to see, I get to see you, I get to see Matthew, I got to see Inga, you know, it was, it was wonderful, it was wonderful, and we're going to do more of that, and it does, it does lift your spirits, it's fun, um, and we'll be raising some glasses of wine here in the States very soon uh, with our sommelier, Nafisa, and, and more. So uh, in some ways, it's, it's good. It's very good. Okay, so on that note, can you all grab your pets and say goodbye? Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll be speaking again. Bye for now.